Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist. I think we have some children and others still coming in, but welcome as we begin. If you forgot to set your clock forward last night, welcome to Sunday school. We'll be underway. Our first hymn this morning speaks about the transcendence of God, as you can hear, uh, the transcendence of God. Uh, later in the service, Kurt Thomas will be singing a song about the intimacy of God. And so both between the intimate and between the transcendent, as distant as the stars, uh, we will experience the presence of God and praise God. Immortal, Invisible is our first hymn. Let's stand together and sing. Please join me in the litany of invitation and confession that's printed in your order of worship. The invitation of a faithful community bids us to give thanks. The call to be a covenant people beckons us. The season of Lent summons us to confess our sins, claim God's forgiveness, and work for justice in God's world. Sisters and brothers, God meets us where we are and loves us as we are. God has forgiven us. Again, welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. 
And it's good to be together on this uh, early spring day. Welcome. Uh, welcome especially to those of you who are our guests. There is on the edge of the order of service a response card, a welcome card. If you'll complete that, drop in the plate, it'll help me connect name and face uh, with you. Also, if there's a prayer request, feel free to place that in the card as well. It's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and need uh, every week. Now, speaking of guests, it's pack a few guests back here with Christopher Schleicher and Karen Perry and their kids, uh, Susanna and Louisa and Benjamin, and they've come all the way from the West to be here today. And so uh, we are sure glad that you're visiting with us. By the way, uh, Karen, there's a children's committee meeting afterward. We need you <laughs> to chair that. And, you, and youth, well, we're going to start the youth committee again, Christopher, by your arrival. We appreciate your leadership in those ways. It is, uh, it's wonderful to see you again. Welcome home. Welcome home. Uh, as we turn aside to the text today, um, as we walk through our season of Lent, um, the, uh, the second lesson, the epistle lesson, is Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul's rendition of uh, Abraham as a man of faith. The third lesson is the gospel lesson about Nicodemus, a man in search for faith. And the first lesson that you'll hear in just a moment is from Genesis 12 about the beginnings of Abraham and his faith, where he is invited by God to go on a grand adventure to go forth, to leave all the familiar, and, uh, and follow the Spirit of God. Well, that's what we'll be doing, and, uh, and that's what we do every week, especially in this season. So, let us continue our worship. Welcome. God calls Abram to leave his homeland and go to a new place, which God will show him. A reading from the book of Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Here ends the first lesson. And now, let's pray together. God, who holds us together, just as we felt we were falling apart, come be God among us. As our untamed tongues threaten to tear us asunder, as viruses and fear separate and divide, as a pandemic of faithlessness takes us captive, God, we confess that our worry has often displaced our trust in you. So help us to trust again in your providential care. Help us to breathe again. Help us to live and let go. Help us to relax our iron grip of control on the things we imagine we can change. For we trusted in markets, but the markets failed us. We trusted in leaders, but the leaders failed us. We trusted in a thousand ill-conceived plans, but the plans have all failed us. So help us to trust again in you and in your son, Christ Jesus who is before all things and in whom all things hold together. So hold us together, God, as we pray the Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. 
we relate to God through faith. As Abraham trusted God with his future, so do we. A reading from the book of Romans. What then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. For the promise that we would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Here ends the second lesson. Would all the children please come forward for our lesson time together, please? Thank you. I'll be right here if y'all just gather in front of me. If you have your offering, Pastor Daniel has a place. And you can drop it right in. Thank you. Abigail, you want to put it right here? All right, Leah. Thank you. All right, everybody. Come on down here. So good to see you this morning. Hi, good morning. Jake, can you sit right there? Huh? Oh, be careful with your knee. Oh, okay. Y'all make some room for Jake and his knee, okay? You want to sit down with a straight leg, man? Can you get down? One more? All right, great. Well, um, everybody, I wanted to talk to you this morning about um, your address. Do you know your address? No? Who does? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, great. So if you know your address, if you were in a car and you had a phone, you could put it into the GPS and you could get home? Yes, say your address, Aaron. Villa Rica, Georgia. We almost got home. We almost got home, y'all. We almost did. So you know yours, Reed? Okay, say it. Very good. Reed knows his, too. Well, we're getting home today, guys. Hey, do you know addresses, they help you find places, right? Your address helps you find your house. Did you know addresses are not just for houses? Jake knows his, too, y'all. You want to say yours? Very good, Jake. He knew it with a quickness. That's great. Well, you know, addresses can also help us find other things. For instance, did you know that when you look in your worship bulletin and it has those numbers after the book of the Bible, and it has one number, and then it has the other number after it like this, this number, and then a colon, and these small numbers after it? This is an address. This tells you where to find certain words in the Bible. So today, I brought you something to help you find a very important address in the Bible, some very important words in the Bible that are an address about God's love. Because sometimes we get lost, and we can't find our and we can't find God's love sometimes. So it's really important to know how to get back. So you only have to remember these short words. Everybody say John, John. 3, 16. And once you know that address, you can look in your Bible and you can go there and you can find it. Here I am. I'm in John, oh, John 1, oh, John 2, 3, and then I find my 16 and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish 
but have eternal life. And so I made each one of you a bookmark so you can mark it in your Bible and you can find the address of God's love for you because he loves you very much. And that's very important to always remember and always get back to. So here, take a bookmark and let's pray. Dear God, thank you for how much you love all of us and all people in your world. Please help us to always remember and to always love you and each other. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody take a bookmark. If you're little, let's go with Miss Mary Lou. And if you're big, let's go sit back down. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, a reading from the Gospel according to John. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? 
Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have everlasting life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Daniel and Joseph, and uh, our thanks, Kurt Thomas, as well. Kurt, I noticed that your two sons started the applause. Increase their allowance. Uh, the older I get, the more I realize I start more sentences with the words, the older I get. The older I get, I realize that I don't remember most of what I hear. That's a direct quote from my wife and colleagues on staff. I don't remember most of what I hear, but some things that I hear I will never forget. One of those things is something that a colleague down the street, uh, Rabbi Lawrence Rosenthal, who is now the senior rabbi at Ahava Hakim Synagogue, just our colleague down the street, Several years ago, uh, several of us clergy were discussing various things, and he mentioned the first text that we began the service with, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And he said, you know, in, in the Hebrew, the first word is actually two words. Those words that talk about when God says, go forth from your country, from your kinfolk, from your father's house, that go forth. That word go is, is two words. It's lech lecha, lech lecha. He said it's actually uh, a verb followed by a preposition that has an implied pronoun, if you can follow that. It, it, it's translated often as you go or go you. It's imperative. But the preposition uh, can have various meanings. It could mean go to yourself, or go with yourself, or go toward yourself. Uh, there's one rabbi, Rabbi Rashi, who lived in France during the Middle Ages. He translated it, go for yourself. In other words, Abraham, you have something to benefit from this as well, as do each of us who are followers of God. Go for yourself. There's something you can get from it. But then Lawrence said it could even mean go and take yourself. Go and take yourself with you and go to the place that I will show you. Well, when he said that, go and take yourself, it just sort of unleashed my imagination. I mean, after all, the text says, go and I will bless you, says God, and through you I will bless the world. In a day where uh, there have been plenty of times when I have gone and did not take myself, as in I look like I was present but I was really absent, or I look like I was uh, connected but I was disconnected because of all the stuff going on in my life, or have you ever called someone on the phone and said, I need to talk with you about something, and all the time you're telling them the problems, you're hearing this tap, 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 tap. And you go, are you typing on the typer? Are you typing on your computer? You know, and they go, oh, oh, no, oh, no. I heard, I heard everything I think you said. 
It is a day where uh, we call our presence on social media, but I wonder if it's more an absence than a presence. I know about that, and so I appreciate the reminder. When you go, don't forget to take yourself with you. As I held that text and these words uh, in my hands and in my heart this week, here is something I came up with I want to offer to you. The gift God wants to give the world through you is you. That's it. The gift that God wants to give the world through you is you. Now, I don't know if Abraham found that hard to believe, but I find it hard to believe for myself. Like, really? Through, through I'm, I'm the best gift through me that God can give, but what else do I have other than me to give? What do you have other than you to give? But that's exactly it. The best gift God is wanting to give through you is completely you. As you go, go and take yourself. Now, there are plenty of people in the Bible that have found that also hard to believe, like Moses. God says from the burning bush, uh, you know, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, well, you know, I can't talk very well. Can you pick somebody else? Jeremiah, you were to go prophesy to my people. And Jeremiah says, I'm too young. I'm just a boy. Abraham and Sarah are called, and eventually they say, we are too old. Elijah, when he is called from his cave of despair, says, I'm too depressed and isolated. I alone am left. They all found it difficult to believe that God wanted to gift the world through them as themselves. And yet that's exactly what God wanted. God took no excuse as too great or no lack of confidence that was too small. Believe it or not, the gift God wants to give the world through you is you. Now, taking that Lech Lecha word that uh, Lawrence Rosenthal introduced me to, I, I got to thinking about what would a, a Lech Lecha, take yourself, Lech Lecha Lent, look like for us. I've got two things. Number one, this leklaka, go and take yourself, may look like, it may look like wholehearted living. Now, Abraham didn't get everything right. I'll itemize some of that as you're already doing so. But in Hebrews chapter 11, where is the, the, this roll call of the faithful? He's number one. Right there, Ab Abraham set out, and the writer says, he went out not knowing where he was going. How many of us guys have done that very thing? He went out not knowing where he was going, but he did it with all that he had, wholeheartedly. Somehow I could hear the voice of the old uh, prophet uh, or poet, Robert Bly, reading this. I'm imagining he, Robert Bly saying, there's a lot in the text that is beyond the text. I can imagine that the Lord God shows up to Abraham and says, uh, how's it going, Abraham? And Abraham says, well, I'm bored. And God says, well, I'm bored too. Why don't we set out on an adventure? It's going to be where you don't know. You don't know how to pack. It could be dangerous. It may even kill you. And Abraham says, count me in. And they're off on the adventure together. Remember, Jesus quoted the favorite Bible verse, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your Heart. The first word is heart. Wholehearted. Some of you have been thinking about Brene Brown while I've been preaching because that's one of her accents. After all, she is a good Episcopalian in Houston, Texas, and it's in the Book of Common Prayer, and we even used it on Ash Wednesday as we read our confession that said, we have not loved you with our whole heart. It seems to me this wholehearted lechlakad, giving, taking all of yourself, was one of the struggles that Nicodemus had that you heard read from the gospel lesson. He shows up 
with a curiosity intellectually, but he is not ready to give his whole heart. That's the way it reads to me. The first words he says to Jesus are, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher sent from God because no one can do these signs unless God is with you. We know. Oh, don't, don't we know? Oh, we know so much. We are so good at our knowing and our reading and our studying. But Jesus brings in this wild wind of God that blows through our lives that we can't control and we can't see from where it comes until where it goes. The Spirit is like that, says Jesus to Nicodemus. And he keeps struggling, spinning in his head. His head is right there, but it's too much for his heart to yet give up. He's not yet ready for wholehearted lekwaka, bringing his whole life living. A few years ago, I clipped an article I'd read, uh, written by Paul McClure. He's a, he was a Baylor sociologist at that time. He now teaches at the University of Lynchburg, which is a Disciples of Christ college. He's a sociologist there. And this is what I clipped. He said, we of the Internet age, that would be all of us, we of the Internet age have become religious tinkerers because, he says, because we spend so much time online, we are more likely to ourselves to see ourselves as spiritual free agents that our religious participation is tinkering with ideas. I think that is an insightful thing that the gift of so much knowledge and so much information has watered down our capacity to commit and to be wholehearted in our lives, to be tinkerers instead. Whatever else the thesis of the New Testament is, it seems to me to be this, that it takes a community to make a Christian. You don't become Christian on the desert isle and isolated. It's something about the community, the accountability. It takes proximity. It takes sitting by one another on a Sunday morning and working at life. Now, our nominating committee is going to make a pitch today and speak to you about what kind of spiritual gifts you've been given and what kinds of spiritual needs that we have seen and observe around here and that you have. You think if, if, if spirituality is just tinkering with ideas, then that means that you won't end up on a committee with somebody you don't like. Is anybody that that's not happened to, by the way? Oh, no, we love everybody. You know, Jesus loves everybody. We love everybody. But there's some people we don't like. We don't agree with them. We don't see their politics, their way they are. And some people just remind me of my mother or my brother or my whatever. But it takes a community to make a Christian, and it takes our practicing of proximity. There's nothing like can grow you up and grow you to help work with your family like church. I'm saying that the gift God wants to give the world through you is you, and it asks for wholehearted living. The second thing, this leklaka lent, this invitation to take ourselves and go, go further in the journey, is about becoming, and as we become, we bless. Becoming and blessing. Don't you like the Madeline uh, Lingle quotation? in your order of service there, the preparation today. It says, a self is not something static, tied up in a pretty parcel and handed to the child, finished and complete. A self is always becoming. Boy, is that not true for Abraham, for sure. This nomad who starts out, Genesis 12, verse 1, heading down the promised land. It takes him a while to get there, but he makes many mistakes along the way. He's a very flawed character 
is only called faithful by the time we get to the New Testament. He passes through Canaan because there's a famine in the land and crosses the border and immigrates to Egypt. I was reading this week an article by Karen Gonzalez, who herself immigrated from Guatemala as a child. Karen is a former school teacher, went to seminary on the West Coast, now working for Rural Relief, an organization in Baltimore, Maryland, that services fellow immigrants and refugees. She wrote a book about her own story. It's entitled, The God Who Sees, Immigrants, the Bible, and a Journey to Belong. She reminds that the climate in the ancient world of the Near East fluctuated greatly. Not so much in Egypt, though, because of the oscillating, predictable floodplain of the Nile. But people like Abraham crossed the borders without permission. They were fleeing political and tribal and environmental threats. <laughs> However you want to say this, the way she put it in the article, he traffics his wife who is also his sister. Jackie Poole pointed this out to me in, in Bible study, that actually in Genesis it, it says that she is his sister and his wife. They had the same father but different mothers. But several times there's this trafficking, so to speak, using her to get something to move the family forward. Hmm. Abraham was far from perfect, and it, became, it takes a while for him to become Abraham, the person of faith that we know him to be. It took Nicodemus a while to become Nicodemus. That, that stumbling block that is in John 3, whatever happened to him in John 3? He just wanders off the page. It, it, it doesn't close the door. He doesn't say goodbye. It's just suddenly he, he's not there. But he shows back up again, again twice in the gospel, the final time after Jesus' death, and he asks for the body of Jesus so that he might bury it. In so doing, he makes himself unclean and has to remove himself from the religious community for the high holy days there. But it seems like he, he comes out of the closet at that moment, at least at that moment, that he outs himself as a follower of Jesus, and in so doing, he has the power to bless. Whatever else maturity is, it's not about promoting self. It's about growing self. Bless you. Bless you. The power to bless. I thought about Terry Lewis uh, as I was putting this together. Where's David? There's David. Terry uh, was David's husband. And we had the funeral about four or five weeks ago, and most of us didn't talk to Terry much. He never had that much to say, but if you paused to talk, he would hold onto your shoulders, look you in the eye, and say, God bless you. It was almost like he was ordained to do so, and that the blessing for him was that he was the conduit. It was through him the blessing was coming, not because of him that the blessing was coming. I was thinking this week of how you have allowed me to be a conduit for nearly everybody in this room, a time to hold hands when there was a celebration of birth, a time to hold hands when there was a reality of death, with new moms, new dads, with grooms, with brides, in times of grief, times of relief, in times of deep breaths, in times of last breaths, to be present. At those times, I've tried to remember to go and take myself, leklakar, and so have you, when you've done tutoring math, when you've done doing missions. It's been a leclaca where you've taken your life and shared it and given it. Here's how I want to tie a knot at the end of the sermon. 
So we keep living our Leclerca lives this Lent in a viral world, a world of viruses that infect our computers and infiltrate our thinking and seemingly leverage our voting. Viruses that can outrun our diagnoses and our inoculations. Sometimes with contradictory information, it's hard to know what is, like with the coronavirus. And it's impossible to know exactly what we should do in response to it. It asks us, how do we live as a people of faith and do so with prudence, but not panic? And that may be a hard line to find. It's hard to know. But it's into this viral world that we continue to take the pathway of Lent, invited to come and bring ourselves. Like I said, I don't remember most of what I hear, but there are some things that when I hear them, I never forget like you'll never forget, that the gift God wants to give the world through you is you. Amen. It is our tradition that whenever a word is offered, a time of invitation and dedication is also offered. Perhaps there's some that are deciding, like David did just a week ago, to say, count me in. I want to join a church and enter the walk and the dance. We're going to sing a hymn today that's an old Welsh hymn that uh, Keith had told me about. It is Jesus, lover of my soul. It sounds to me like Sacred Heart or Southern Harmony. It's not one that you pat your foot to like a gospel song. It's minor chord, but it sounds so robust. And that's how we're going to sing it. Jesus, lover of my soul. Let's stand together and sing.
this time of the service, I want to bring a few concerns and announcements to your attention. First, there's a new edition of the Pinnacle uh, that's in the hallway outside that will give you our Lenten schedule, uh, along with some other announcements that are upcoming. Uh, each Thursday during Lent, we gather here at 645 in the chapel for a series we're calling Lenten Pathways, and there'll be homilies brought to you by James and myself, and Steve Sheely will also be bringing one at the end of that uh, series. Triple E meets on uh, this Tuesday, and our very own Walter Grant will be our guest speaker. We look forward to hearing you, Walter. Uh, if you haven't reserved your space there, please see Barbara or call, call Will in our office tomorrow. I want to ask the chair of our nominating committee, Beth Laxton, to come forward. She has a message uh, for the church about the nominating season. Thank you, Beth. Northside Drive needs you again. When the sanctuary boiler quit working, folks began to work on the solution immediately. When the finance committee began its important work on putting together the 2020 budget and then asked the church to pledge that budget, once again, folks stepped up with our financial commitment so that the ministries and work of this wonderful church could continue. Today, I'm here on behalf of the nominating committee to ask you to make another commitment a commitment of service to our church by volunteering for its ministry teams. Because we are a small congregation, it is vital for folks to participate on these teams. In your order of worship today, you have an insert, which gives a description of our ministry teams, and there's also a form for you to provide nominations to the diaconate and finance and personnel teams. You may nominate yourself too. You don't have to be bashful. This form should be placed in the nominating box in the conference room. For the next four weeks after our worship service, sign-up forms for the ministry teams will be available in the conference room. My parents have been the best examples to me of what it means to be involved in church. My childhood church was few in number, much like Northside, so everyone volunteered for committees. Growing up, I saw my parents support their church financially, and I saw them serve on multiple committees each year. To them, it was just the right thing to do. Their church needed them and every congregant to serve. So today, on behalf of the nominating committee, please consider how you can share your time and talents on our ministry teams. Remember, Northside Drive Baptist Church needs you. Thank you. And thank you, Beth, for your leadership in that word. I want to bring a few prayer concerns to your attention. Uh, you probably saw an email from James this morning that Muriel Hardy died on Friday morning, Valerie's mother, Muriel. She'll be laid to rest tomorrow in Pickens, South Carolina, and James will be heading out tomorrow morning to be with Valerie and the family to officiate at that funeral. So prayers for a safe journey and for their family tomorrow. Two others to tell you about, David Moore, Angie Moore's son is in the hospital at Kennestone in the ICU. He had surgery this weekend. Uh, James and Jenny visited with him, and I'll plan to see him uh, very soon. I heard from Angie this morning that uh, it's a difficult road ahead, so we'll be updating you on his status, but we hope for a quick recovery. And then finally, I got word this morning from Lindsay Cataray that her grandfather was being rushed to the hospital via ambulance. So we pray for uh, Lindsay and Bill and their grandfather. We're so glad we have our sanctuary choir to help us continue our worship as they bring us music that weaves back in John 3.16 into our lives. Thank you.
God, for the gift of your love, of which the scriptures speak and the choir sings. We are grateful. We are grateful that we don't have to begin and wait for eternal life when we get to the funeral home. But it begins now, among the people of God, in this place where we experience your presence. Bless us and help us this week receive these gifts as symbols of our gratitude. And now we join with creation and all things now living and sing our song of thanksgiving. And we do so in Christ's name. Amen. A long time ago, it feels like about five or six years ago, four years ago, feels like longer than that, uh, God took you to Texas. And I prayed that morning in the pastoral prayer, hold us, O God, in our feelings of loss today. We name Christopher and Karen and Louisa and Benjamin and Susanna as we pray for them. And incidentally, in the text. Incidentally, we claim our anger at you. Yes, you, oh God. If we can send a man to the moon, it looks like you could have prevented the slackers from moving to Texas. <laughs> but not our will, but thine be done. Uh, welcome home. Christopher, since you're to be uh, instant in season and out of season as the text, would, would you like to pronounce the benediction for us? <laughs> This is a, this, do what? Oh, all right, all right. Well, I'll, I will do so. Or, as Christopher would say, if he chose to, may the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we journey through Lent all the way to Easter and as we go eventually to Texas. In peace. Amen.